are you? Ugh. How are you? That's how normal people talk. <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I am wishing I liked this movie more. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> You're listening to Love Ya, the guided tour through the streaming world of teen rom-coms. I am one of your hosts, Martha Sullivan, young adult librarian and teen lit, uh, we can call me an expert, teen lit expert. Uh, and I am joined tonight, as always, with my co-host. I'm Marin Higman, youth services librarian, and I think I could call myself a rom-com expert. Um, if not necessarily teen lit. <laughs> sure, but that's so you know that you, our listener, know that we know what we're talking about <laughs> when we get into the down and dirty of all of the teen rom-coms that are available through your various streaming platforms. Uh, for your listening pleasure tonight, we watched Sierra Burgess as a Loser, a 2018 Netflix original starring Shannon Purser in the title role. Uh, Noah Centineo, side note, did not know he was in this until he showed up on my screen. <laughs> so, truly, Netflix is paying his uh, rent right now. Mm -hmm. uh, Christine Forsyth, Loretta Devine, uh, Alan Ruck, weirdly. Oh, and uh, Chrissy, Chrissy Metz? Chrissy Metz, and then a bunch of other people I'm not familiar with. If possible... I am going to have Pete take this chunk of audio that I'm about to supply to us. And if it is not possible, he can just leave this in as an awkward testament to my forgetting how podcasts work. Um, spoiler alert for oh. Sierra Burgess is a loser. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am a, I'm a pretty firm believer in knowing how things, knowing what happens does not necessarily ruin uh, your enjoyment of the movie, but if spoilers are important to you, then you may want to uh, pause and go watch all one hour and 40 minutes of this movie before we get into the uh, synopsis. If our capable producer, Pete, cannot cut that so that it doesn't suck, then this is just a really awkward spoiler warning after all of the spoilers have happened. Yeah. But I mean, so. if you're clicking on a podcast that is discussing this, you probably assume but yeah good idea martha <laughs> um marin why don't you tell us what sierra burgess is a loser is about yes so sierra burgess is a loser is a modern and gender reversed adaption of cyrano de bergerac um so it centers around the titular character sierra um who is unpopular um and decides to um well i guess doesn't decide so much is is played a cruel joke by the most popular girl in school veronica um when a cute football captain from another school um asks veronica for her number um veronica gives him sierra's 
And so Sierra and the football captain, Jamie, uh, played by Noah Centineo, um, begin texting, um, and he is under the mistaken impression that she is Veronica. Um, Sierra develops a crush on him, um, and doesn't until later discover that he thinks she's Veronica, but once she does, instead of sorting through that misunderstanding, um, decides to enlist Veronica in helping her continue to dupe him, um, in believing that she is Veronica. And so begin the hijinks, um, of her pretending to be, continuing to pretend to be Veronica, um, and she and Veronica becoming friends. Um, and this all culminates, um, when at a football game, she sees Veronica and the football captain, Jamie, kiss, um, Jamie believing that he is dating Veronica, um, and she gets mad, and so she posts, um, uh, painful information about Veronica, um, namely that Veronica had been dumped, um, on the internet. Um. I have a lot to say about that, but we'll get there. Oh, yeah. Lots to say about that. Um, and then in retaliation, Veronica tells Jamie the truth, um, and so Sierra writes this song as an apology, and the song wins over both Veronica and Jamie, um, and it ends with Veronica and Sierra continuing to be friends, um, and Sierra and Jamie kissing. (sighs) And of course, I have forgotten the best part, which is Sierra's best friend, Dan, who is the voice of reason throughout the shenanigans, um... Yeah. It's a lot. So, this movie. So, this movie. So... I had I had not seen this before. You had tried to watch this before, is that correct? Yes. I did not finish this movie upon my first attempt. Um, and did finally watch this movie tonight in preparation for this podcast. Um, and I am not someone who just puts books down or turns things off, but I have a very vivid memory of, like, slamming the space bar on my Netflix on my computer and being like, I'm done! So I know what happens in the movie that causes you to do that. I'd like to work our way up to it, though, because I think this movie has a lot of faults. Um, And I think that we can start from the beginning. Um, the, I mean, the first strike to me, so teen movies have always had the issue of casting Hollywood actors and actresses to play characters that the movie then tries to tell me are unattractive. Mm -hmm. Um, Shannon Purser is a lovely young woman. Yes. Like, and the, the movie trades very heavily on the fact that she is heavier than all of the other people in this movie, but again, heavier means like size fourteen. Yes. So it it it's not. We're we're not dealing with a hideous human being here. 
No, and I think they are trying, they think they can give, get, like, drum up quite a bit of goodwill for Sierra that is not earned. I agree with that, too. I think the movie also plays very heavily on, so her dad is supposedly some, like, genius writer, so she and he, like, trade literary quotes, and I think that's supposed to be very cute, and mostly I just... I don't know. I didn't feel any connection with her dad, so I don't think that that no. meant anything to me. Yeah. Yeah, I really didn't feel any of that. And then, like, the stuff with her mom, too, of just like, well, I'm insecure because my dad is a genius and my mom's an attractive person. Like, okay. Which was all very sympathetic. But I, I feel that the movie was telling us these things rather than showing us right. any of them. Like, there is literally a moment where Sierra says, I think, pretty much verbatim what I just said. Yes, it's in the it's at the end of the movie after the football game when she comes home. Yes. And has burned down her life. And I'm supposed to feel bad for her. But mostly I just feel at the actually... And we'll get there. Again, I'd like to keep going in order. But at that moment, I mostly felt bad for Veronica. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, so we have Sierra, who is a very classic teen comedy nerd. But I, I, I felt like the movie was trying to make me believe that she was worse treated, like... Apart from Veronica and her terrible friends, do we really see anybody treat Sierra that badly? No. No. And in fact, she seems like she has support from her best friend, Dan, who might honestly be one of the only good things about this movie. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Her, I believe it's her English teacher... I mean, her parents, her parents are even pretty supportive. Like. So, yeah, we're, we're meant to believe that Sierra's this loser and that she. I don't know. It was like it was like the movie knew what tropes it wanted to use, but didn't know how to use them. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel very strongly that I don't think this movie would have been made without everyone's bad reactions to how Barb was treated on Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah i really well okay so this was september 2018 and stranger things one was what summer 2017 Uh i'm trying to think of the timeline here oh my name 2016 wow okay but yeah so there was definitely like a reaction here from barb and I don't mind it because I I like Shannon Purser. Right. But I just I don't think that this movie had this had the textual evidence to support how to support her doing the things that she did. No. And I think that like you said, it over relied on the tropes to make us actually invested in Route 4 Sierra. And so when 
Sierra does terrible things, we don't feel sympathetic because they have not given her character enough texture and enough grounding that we, you know, actually still have sympathy. Yeah, and and her her various crimes include first of all the the big one for me is not just saying hey dude you have the wrong number but do you still want to get a burger sometime right like she has the opportunity to come clean like i understand that that with that that's the conflict of the movie but i i have an issue with movies that hinge on very easily solved miscommunications for their plots like that feels very lazy to me yes because this it's like she so she and jamie start texting and they're texting a lot and at some point dan is like what happens when he wants to call you and i'm like yes exactly like that that seems i mean i know that we're all very text avergent is that a word text averse Averse, yes. <laughs> but she acts like it's this big surprise when he wants to, like, talk to her and then meet her. Um, so that seemed very silly to me. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it, it, it felt like every time somebody did something that was totally reasonable, she would flip out about it. Mm-hmm. Like when particularly Jamie and Veronica um like when Jamie wants to do something like go on a date it's a huge thing which is a perfectly logical next step like (sighs) so yeah Sierra and, and again I'm I'm used to teens making bad choices in movies and I'm used to those choices being like amplified for cinematic effect. This, it just felt like they were choices for plot sake rather than being even rather than having even the like remotest plot reasoning behind them. It was just like, well, we need this to happen. So now it's going to happen. Let's talk about that date. Let's talk about that date. So at some point, Jamie totally reasonably says, hey, Veronica, let us go on a date. And Sierra, who at this point is tutoring Veronica in some very half-baked scheme, which, again, I do not approve of. And I don't know how we got there because I thought these two women hated each other. Um, But so he wants to go on a date and Veronica for some reason agrees to do this oh she agrees because she thinks it's going to be when Sierra tells him what's up oh yeah yeah Sierra doesn't even tell her that she's not going to come clean yeah so Sierra's like just go and I'll meet you guys at the arcade or whatever and I'll you know tell him what's going on and then they do and then she freaks out and doesn't so she's like you have to stay on the state but don't kiss him 
And Veronica's like, I don't even like him. What is wrong with you? Which was a sentiment I was very strongly agreeing with. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I do love how this movie, like, and I get the sense that what they wanted you to feel was dislike for for Veronica at the beginning um, and then slowly build the sympathy for her character. And for me, there was, like, no slow build. It was, like... From that scene on, Veronica was pretty much in the right the whole time and tried to be nice to Sierra to atone for her past behavior. And, yes. And, and Sierra's behavior, by contrast, was just so abhorrent that it was like, were you guys intentionally, like, trying to flip this, like... The hero is now the villain, and the villain is now the hero. Like, I don't understand. There's, like, some whiplash. Yeah, no, I don't think the movie was that self-aware. Yeah, that's true. Um, But also, so on this date, again, Jamie does a totally reasonable thing and tries to make out with this girl that he's been having, that he thinks he's been having really deep and meaningful conversations with. And there are, like... I was not super paying attention, so I missed all of the like pee under the or being under the cup like um shellfish game shenanigans that oh, made yeah. it so that so Veronica gets him to close his eyes so that he thinks he's kissing her and then Sierra pops up and he's actually making out with her and this is assault. This is not cute. Nope. This is not good. Um this is like catfishing to the nth degree, and I hated it, and it made me want to die. Yep. It was it was just, like, full-body cringe. Like, full-body cringe. And, and that is the moment, dear listeners, that got me to stop watching this movie the first time around. I stuck well, with it until that moment. And here's the thing. Here's the part that makes it the worst for me. I don't think the movie knows that it's bad. No, no, I think, I think, oh, I think they just think like, oh, that's so sweet. Veronica's doing that for her friend or like, look at Jamie and Sierra's connection. I think it's supposed to be a cute, like, oh, they got to kiss and it was so good. And isn't it funny that he didn't know it was her? And it's like, no, bodily autonomy and consent are things. They are ideas that exist in the world. Anyway, so that's. That was the the major, the first major strike. Up until then, I'd been kind of like, well, you know, these mm-hmm. these decisions are not great, but she's a teenager, and teenagers make bad life decisions. And that was the moment when I was, when I was like, oh, this movie doesn't know what it's doing. No. Nope. Like, this movie has no clear idea of the picture it's portraying. The second moment that happened for me is when jamie meets sierra face to face for the first time and so that he won't know so that he won't hear her talk because they've been talking on the phone while she pretends to be veronica she pretends to be deaf so that she doesn't have to talk to him (sighs) which backfires almost immediately because we find out then that jamie's little brother is deaf so then he's like, cool, you guys can talk. And it's like, oh, so this just went from, like, a stupid thing that you did to get out of talking out loud to, like, actual gross appropriation. 
Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, and then the third, I mean, the third big hit for me was at the end when she releases the... So, there's also a subplot happening that I didn't super care about, about Veronica trying to get back together with a college freshman boy who we find out is a scumbag. Um, he takes a photo of them making out for reasons I was unclear about and then dumps her via DM and somehow Sierra gets a gets the photo of them making out and sends it to everyone in the school with text on it that says dumped via DM and it's supposed to be really humiliating for Veronica but really I think it just makes Sierra look bad yeah (laughs) well and the boy obviously yeah like there, there I wasn't. Sh- there I didn't realize, or I didn't understand. Like, how could anybody see that and feel right? Like somehow feel disparagingly towards Veronica. Like, well, except and- for Jamie, who thought that he was dating her. So obviously, seeing her right make out with a guy not him, like that would be upsetting for him. But for everyone else in the school, it's like, ew, I don't want to. Like, I don't want to see you make out with a guy, but also that sucks. Like, I would have just felt bad for her. Like, it just felt like such a regressive, like, we're going back, like, 30 years moment of, like, I don't know. It felt like, felt like a moment I was saved by the bell. Like. Not as well plotted. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, it, it it felt like some really old gender politics coming up here. Um, which, which is, yeah. Which just boggles my mind. That, like, someone somewhere in the year of our Lord, 2018, like, greenlit that. So the movie ends. Sierra is supposed to have been writing a poem for her writing class. She doesn't. She ends up writing a song, which I thought was a fine it was a fine song it was fine the song might um, be I, the the second good thing about this movie after the front dan those might be the two things i am okay with in this movie yeah and so then the the movie ends at homecoming rather than prom um, which is a nice change from all the we proms think... we had last time to all the proms we've had before yes did we think sierra's dress was a pretty and pink nod Probably. It there was okay. a lot similar. Um it was a like to our listener it was like a peachy color. There was lots of tulle. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was pretty. Yeah, I thought I it was thought cute. It was, I thought it was totally appropriate for a homecoming dress, a little less formal than prom. Um, but so yeah, she and Jamie apologize and go to homecoming together and make out and by then I had thoroughly stopped caring. Yep. Um the the gender politics issue is interesting because I thought that the whole movie had a very seventies aesthetic happening. Mm, yeah, like a lot of the that like tonal like color wise. I mean, also maybe yeah. tone, actual tone, but like <laughs> like the earthy it, it was very, tones. Yeah, like very sepia toned. Um, I thought the movie itself looked great. Oh yeah. I thought all of the people in it were beautiful. 
Which, again, um, contributes to the fact that, like, we do not, like, drum up the sympathy we are supposed to for Sierra. I don't know. This one just... Well, I do know. Um, this one didn't do it for me. Yep. I thought it was... I thought it had potential. Um, which is why I would like to introduce a new segment to Love Ya. I know this is only our second episode, so all of our segments are new. Um, but I am calling this rom-com rehab where we take a look at the movie we just watched and figure out how do we rehab this movie? How do we fix Sierra Burgess? All right. Well, we have a couple points here. First of all, the kiss scene. And I would just like to point this out. And I am confident in saying this because I just looked this up. I was like, wait, in the original Cyrano de Bergerac, I remember there being a scene where Cyrano actually comes and, like, woos the woman. And I would just like to point out that this play was written in 1897. And I would like to point out in this play, written in 1897, Cyrano does not kiss Roxanne, having her think he is Christian, the other dude. No, no. In this play, written so many years earlier, they don't even do that. So I'm sorry. Like... (gasps) if the source material which was written literally in the victorian era does not have like a a kiss that does not have consent between the two parties how can this movie from 2018 have that so that's fix number one so okay (laughs) sorry sorry mark no that's that's okay. That's going um, me very angry. So the thing that I was most strongly reminded of about this movie was not, I, I was thinking about Cyrano de Bergerac after the thought, but while I was watching it, it reminded me much more of a movie of She's the Man. Oh. Where Amanda Bynes plays a character who's masquerading as a boy. So she's not pretending to be another like actual human She's pretending to be a boy, which I like more. It is still catfishing, but is a lot more humor-based, I think, and doesn't involve as much go on this date with someone who's not me, and then I'm going to get mad when you have feelings at her. And also, like, the people who become interested in her, well, namely Olivia, like, she's very upfront of, hey, I'm not interested in you. So I think the the first major thing that I would do to fix this movie is I would not have Jamie think that Sierra on the other end of the phone was an actual other person. Like, I think you can leave in, I think you can leave in the part where Veronica gives him Sierra's number and have him text Sierra the first time and just have her be like, oh, this isn't Veronica and have him be like, who is it? And at that point she can be like, well... That's not important. Tell me how you're feeling today. And just be anonymous rather Mm. than like a human person. I think that there are dramatic avenues that you can explore that then remove some of the catfishing weirdness. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why that's a trope in like... um... Oh my gosh, why am I blanking? You've got mail. 
yeah, you've got mail of like the anonymous like contact. Um, I think well, is what you're getting it. at. Yeah, we see it in Love Simon also. We have two boys communicating via email and they don't know who each other are and they develop a a relationship there. I also think that you could do that and still have her um, develop her friendship with Veronica when she's just like, I need help talking to this guy. You know how to talk to guys. I'll help you talk to your guy if you help me talk to mine. Like, I think you can preserve that without devolving to... I'm, I'm trying to write around that kiss. We gotta, we gotta take the kiss out. Yep. And if you never have... Like, if you have him trying the whole movie to get her... And then and then your first date can be homecoming. Yeah. Like, then, then he can show up on her door and be like, you're just as beautiful as I thought. And then all of her self-confidence issues can be validated. Yeah. Yeah, like, I... I don't understand what is achieved by him thinking that she is Veronica. Like, because, and I I mean, I get, like, maybe they were thinking, like, oh, well, then we can have him interact with her, thinking she's a different person. But that just serves to, like, that doesn't serve for a good, like, dramatic irony. That just serves to make us feel yanked around, you know? Like... It's too much stuff that doesn't make sense for her to do. Right. Which I think is the biggest problem that I have with it, is that it's not even just that it's a a problematic plot, it's that it's a plot that doesn't make sense to me. Like, why on earth would she continue... Like, why... There are too many issues with her pretending to be a wholly other real human being. Right. Also, I would like to formally move to strike the our protagonist is a bad friend plot device mm-hmm. because I'm really tired of the like protagonist distances their best friend because of their drama. And then has to make up with them by the end of the movie plotline. I would much rather see fully supportive friendships. Yes. And I would much rather our protagonist have struggles that aren't artificial in that way. Um, Because I think, yeah, too often, like, those best friendships, like, protagonists doing something... To, like, spoil friendship. Like, just serve to be lazy. They're just there to ratchet up the drama and explain why the best friend isn't around. And don't actually do anything for us. And in this movie, it was resolved in a matter of hours? In a matter of a song! A song! Yeah, that song did a lot of healing that I don't know was justified. In a matter of three minutes. <laughs> I'm sorry, we are all not Natalie Portman and Garden State. A song is not going to change our life. Well, and also, even though I thought that the 
um, the climactic, like, posting that photo up for everyone to see. Like, I thought that was dumb. But also, if we just distill it down to she posted an embarrassing photo that no one else was supposed to see so that the whole school could see, that is, like, if I was Veronica, we're not talking again. No, never. Like, that's betraying my trust for someone who, frankly, has not been that good of a friend for me for very long. Um, yeah, I did not. I did not think that their forgiveness was particularly earned. Nope. And and again, I think what they and as before, I may be reading too much into this. Like, I think they somehow want us to see this as more level-based on the mean things Veronica says to Sierra in the beginning of the movie. But no! Like, what Sierra did was so beyond the pale that there is... Yeah, there is just such a, like, asymmetric, like, actions that, no, it's not going to be solved by a song. So, okay, so if anything, if we if we grant them the forgiveness plotline, somewhere in this rehab also, there there has to be actual scenes of talking through things and time passing. Like, give me a montage. Yeah. Have that betrayal go in the middle of the movie. So then we get... Um, we get a montage of Sierra and Veronica both being sad. And, like, Sierra, like, maybe sending her, like, maybe, like, a picture of long texts from Sierra. I'm so sorry. Like, can we go hang out? Yeah, like. Well, and I think part of the other reason that we're not finding their makeup that satisfying is... Because I don't think their friendship was that satisfying. No. I mean, when if you think about the fact that this movie culminates in Homecoming, it it takes place over, like, four weeks. Right. So it is not a very long time, a, a very long time span. So we're asked, and I am willing to grant that when you are a teenager, social relationships come and go and change much faster then I am used to them. But I feel like you could have had it play out longer Mm -hmm. and then have all of these hurts and insults and then makeups feel more earned and more satisfying if we had stretched out the timeline with a couple of, like, time-passing montages. Right. Because, yeah, I, I, again, three minutes of song does not character development make. Well, and we didn't even get a montage of her writing the song. Like, that no. kind of shocked me. It just appeared. Just like, yeah, all of a sudden it th- it's there. And I'm like, if you're going to suddenly give your main character an interest in songwriting, please show me the development of her song. Yeah, it just came out of nowhere. Okay, is there anything else about this movie <sighs> that we could fix? 
leaving so not starting from the premise of maybe they shouldn't have made this movie because i i do think that there is something to a remake of cyrano de bergerac using teenagers like that is that is a totally legit rom-com vehicle for me i love the version with steve martin and i think it's hilarious oh yeah i just think that's one (laughs) that is a good one I think this one rested too too much on its laurels. I think it was it was doing too much telling and not enough actual storytelling. Um, and, and I think, get... like you said, it it wasn't even aware enough of the problems in it to stop and think. Because I think you could keep that kiss scene if the movie acknowledges that this is messed up. Right. If the movie says, oh, this happened and it sucked, actually, and then she had to deal with the fact that her that was her instinct and, and it, what that means. If that was, like, where the conflict arose of, like, oh, I did this terrible thing and, like, that was her moment of self-reflection instead of literally blowing up this other girl's life. Yes. Um... <sighs> Yeah. All right. Well, so I think that we can both safely say that neither of us is recommending this movie. No, do do not watch this movie. This is what oh, yeah. What would you recommend instead? So, is it okay if I recommend an adult book? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. No, our our recommendations are Anything, anything we want. Okay. So this book, or sorry, this movie made me think of a book that I read when I was a teen and loved. Um, That is, it is an adult book, but it's a pretty fun, frothy, um, chick-lick book by the author of The Princess Diaries, Meg Cabot. Um, It is called The Boy Next Door. Um, And it involves a similar plot device of uh, mistaken identities. Um, A woman's neighbor is assaulted and in the hospital. And her supposed nephew comes uh, to watch the dog. Um, And it turns out that man is the actual nephew's friend who owes him a favor And so, despite his many misgivings, poses um, as this woman's neighbor's nephew, and of course they fall in love, um, and hijinks ensue that are not creepy in the way of Sierra Burgess. Um, And one thing that also distinguishes this novel is that it is written entirely in email, um, which was very oh, fun. fun. Yeah, which is very fun and innovative, especially for having come out in 2002. Um, yeah, and its characters are just warm and witty and delightful, as are all Meg Cabot books. So yeah, The Boy Next Door by Meg Cabot is far more worth your time um, if you are interested in, you know, someone posing as someone else. <laughs> Um, so I mentioned She's the Man earlier. Um, the 2006 Amanda Bynes vehicle, uh, directed by Andy Fickman, where Amanda Bynes, um, 
takes her twin brother's place at a boarding school and disguises herself as him and gets on their soccer team. And it's all very cute and fun and also a retelling of Twelfth Night, I believe. Yes. Shakespeare play. Yes. Um, So watch that. It's super fun. Um, But I also have a book that's in the same vein that I would like to recommend that I loved. It is called Noteworthy by Riley Redgate. It is about a girl named Jordan who is going to a very exclusive art school, um, which she was very, she was talented enough to get in, but now she's sort of in the bottom of her classmates. So like she's, she's talented enough to be there, but not talented enough to stand out. So she's trying to figure out ways to like stand out amongst her students. And what she ends up doing is pretending to be a boy so she can try out for the all-star all-male acapella group, uh, which she then gets in. Um, So it is another gender swapping uh, mistaken identity uh, story with, you know, shenanigans as she pretends to be a boy and then, you know, develops a crush on one of the other members of the uh, group as, as you do. Um, And I just found it very charming and very fun. Um, It was a good combination of like romantic rom-com shenanigans and then also like legitimate existential fear for her future and Mm. kind of the lengths that she goes to to figure stuff out and make sure that she has what she perceives to be her future. Um, So yeah, that is... Noteworthy by Riley Redgate and The Boy Next Door by Meg Cabot. Yeah, go read those. Don't watch The Emergerous <laughs> is a Loser. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, if you are itching for more pop culture content, be sure to check out Did You Do Your Homework? Um, my other podcast, which releases on Opposing Wednesdays to Love Ya. Uh, Marin, where can our listeners find you on the internet? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at a underscore star underscore danced, um, where I tweet a lot about romance novels, maps, uh, things related to Minnesota. Um, yeah. Uh, you can find me at all the places at Magical Martha. Uh, you can find our... Um, so did you do your homework is functioning right now as sort of a network umbrella. I love you does not currently have its own unique social media that may change in the future. We'll see. Um, but for now you can follow us at D Y D Y H podcast on both, uh, Twitter and Instagram. I uh, will be posting updates for both podcasts under those, uh, social media handles. And you can find us on Facebook at, did you do your homework? Um, And you can listen to my co-host on that podcast, who also produces this one, at Pico, P-I-K-O, 3000. Um, I believe that's everything. So we will see you all in two weeks, uh, when we will be discussing the Netflix original Alex Strangelove. This is uh, one neither of us have seen, so... You know, I'm I'm excited to check this one out. We're getting yeah. away from the getting away from the heteronormativity 
that yeah. we have been enjoying the past couple of weeks. Uh, so uh, we'll see you in a few weeks. And until then, love ya. That's a, you did it! Yay! That's a great way to end it. I it just occurred to me now, so <laughs> we'll see if I we'll see if I remember to do that into the future. <laughs> That's so good.